All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 94, the Ryan Smith edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. Frank, what's happening, man? A whole lot in the NHL. Teams potentially moving to, to Saskatoon for a, a temporary spell. The Calgary Flames getting dominated on their U.S. road trip. I don't know. A lot going on. There is. Um, yes. For, for those who don't know, the uh, Winnipeg Jets have sent out an email to their season ticket holders on their thoughts of playing some games in Saskatchewan because uh, at Saskatoon Place because they, they have different regulations right now as far as having fans in the stands and, and everything else. So it's... Uh, it is definitely an interesting time. You know what? I actually don't don't mind that decision by them at all. I think because number one, Saskatchewan is filled with diehard hockey fans. A regular season game would be an instant sellout there. Yep. Not even a hesitation, whether it's uh, Winnipeg season ticket holders, you know, traveling or them just selling their tickets online to Saskatchewan fans. Here was so here was the question that was posed to fans. It was since we have no ability to create revenue, do you mind, they would certainly refund fans for their tickets. Do you mind us playing games in Saskatoon with fans provided that the restrictions allow us to, I don't know why anyone would say no to that. Yeah. Why would you in your own market? But the fan reaction has been mixed. It's been almost 50, 50. I was shocked to see it especially some of the vitriol that I saw on social media saying that the Jets franchise is selling its own fan base out. Like that's not the case. They know where their bread is buttered, 
but you can't go to the game in your own market anyway. What do you care if it's being played somewhere else with fans? I, I, I'd always say, I would always, it makes the TV product better. The, the people that are online complaining, are they really the season ticket holders? Because if they're not, no offense, this is about them. This yeah. is about the people who have the season seats and they're the ones who are going to get their money back. Why? Like you're not losing anything because if they play the games without you, you still get your money back, but you don't get to go. So basically you're like, you want to be petty and be like, well, if I can't go, no one else could go. And I don't think most sane people would be that way. They'd be like, yeah, I have no problem. And you know what? Maybe we'll have a road trip. Maybe you'll have a road trip, but more to the point, at least when you watch it on TV, there will be some kind of environment. It might actually give your team as the home team a boost especially if they're able to set up in the market for a little while and drum up some more fan interest and, and sort of take over Saskatoon and Saskatchewan as the team of the prairies. I know it's a mixed fan base. There's, there's fans from every team in Saskatchewan, but man, like why wouldn't you, I can, I can tell you that there's a number of hurdles in the way one, the jets aren't entirely certain that Saskatoon and, and the province of Saskatchewan will remain without restrictions. Yes. They've sort of been light in their approach, but they've also been all over the map recently in terms of how strict that they are with the coronavirus. Uh, the other part is how long would they be there? How quickly would they get there? And what sort of precedent does this set for the rest of the Canadian teams? Now, I checked in with the NHL on Thursday night after seeing the report, and I asked the question, because Saskatchewan is really the last remaining province without pro sports capacity restrictions, what are the other Canadian teams thinking? Are they potentially thinking of going temporarily to U.S. markets? And the answer that I received back was, no, that's not something that's really being contemplated at this point. And it makes sense because I think we all kind of feel like this will be temporary. This Omicron wave seems to be incredibly fast moving and that, you know, in somewhat short order, meaning not in October, we'll see some kind of loosening of these restrictions. I don't know that it's going to happen quickly enough for NHL teams and frankly, the NHL itself to be satisfied. But at this point, they're going to try and soldier through it, postpone as many games as they can in January and try to make those up later with the hope of generating more revenue. But I feel for the Winnipeg Jets in this case, people would say, why would you take such a drastic measure? You've got an $81.5 million payroll. How do you think it's, it doesn't pay itself? Yeah, no, hey, I can. This is a business. This ain't a hobby. People always forget that sometimes. It's, uh, it, you know, you love the sport and it, yeah, you play it for fun, but it's still a billion dollar business and there's lots of money at stake. And we, we already saw the schedule maker, you know, switch some games. Toronto had a had a home game that got reversed and now they'll play that in April. And so they have a road game extra. And, and I do wonder if we're going to see more of that here, Frank, in the coming weeks, because when you look at like Calgary, uh, I think Calgary is close to 10 games. Now you can't to make up all of those games. If you don't extend the season, it's going to be incredibly condensed. And I, I understand from a pure business standpoint, why you would say, okay, you know what? Some teams might have real heavy home schedules late in the year. We're going to try to see if we can move around a few more road games from teams that are missing because, you know, they added another cancellation here yesterday, the Edmonton Chicago game on the 18th. So mm -hmm. now the order is after playing Ottawa. And the only reason they're playing Ottawa 
is because that's Ottawa's one time a year West Coast trip, but they just don't think there's time to get it back in. So they'll play in Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary. And so they play there. It's been really strategic to your point. Like that's why the Oilers played against the Leafs on, on Wednesday night was because that's the Oilers one trip through Toronto and they can't find a way to squeeze that in and, and um, you know, get a better date. It'd be too tricky given that the Oilers were already out East. They knocked off, you know, and it's kind of, it was kind of perfect timing for them. It's now going to be perfect timing for the Leafs going on the road for a while, playing a lot of games in the U S the other part of it is one of the big reasons why you see the Ottawa trip still on the schedule and the Seattle portion of it postponed for an Ottawa team. That's also still dealing with some COVID issues is you don't, they're trying to minimize the times that Canadian teams are crossing the border at the moment because they don't want to see a vast quantity of players left behind in the U.S. Think about the Montreal Canadiens and their trip down south into the U.S., really one of the first teams after the holiday break to do so. So you take a look at their schedule, and it is actually pretty remarkable. They started in Tampa, then they went to Carolina, and then they finished off in Florida. Guess what? The, the Canadians left behind multiple players, I think two, at least two each in each of those three markets that are just quarantining there. It's a big reason why the Canadians have been shut down for a time, you know, through, through the 10th that they don't, they have nowhere else. They have no other bodies to put in their lineup. Yeah, yeah You, you leave six or eight guys in the U S like how many guys do you have left? Yeah, well, not very many. And you know what I was, but Frank, I'm looking at the schedule and it's funny that the New York Islanders, a non-Canadian team has still played the fewest games because they were ravaged by COVID earlier. If you look today, which is January 7th, I do the quick math in my head and they have 113 days remaining until the end of April. They've only played 28 games. So that means they got 54 games to go. They're basically on a, we have to play a game every second day already and when you consider like edmonton plays a game on the 10th and then they don't play again till the 20th now they're they're down then from the 20th to that point they're down to like 100 days left in the season and they'll have to play all of their games and they'll have had played 35 that's 50 you know like there's 47 games left for them like you're getting to the point where teams are every second day and even last year the schedule, which was only travel, you know, a lot shorter for teams. Mm-hmm. They played on back-to-back nights in the mini series. They didn't play that many games in a short time. So that's why I really wonder what the NHL is going to do. And I know they're staunch that they don't want to go into May, but the longer this goes, they might have no choice. Yeah. I, I, they're not there yet, but they're getting closer with each additional postponement. I mean, how nice would it be to be a team like, I don't know, Vegas, for instance, or yeah, Tampa, think- 37, 36 games, like they have nine fewer games to make up than a team like the New York Islanders in the same number of days. Like what an advantage it is, especially as, um, you know, you've already gone through the toughest part, uh, you know, and, and I think Vegas would respond and say, look at all the injuries we've gone through. It's not like it's been a cakewalk for us, but they're going to get some guys back and and potentially they're going to be healthy enough to the point where, as I mentioned in our trade target story yesterday on dailyfaceoff.com, it's a little early to predict what the Golden Knights are going to do on the trade front when it goes to activating Jack Eichel, but there's going to be a decision that needs to be made at some point. 
Oh, well, there was already the jokes that they were the Tampa Bay of the West with Max Pacioretty. But you and I, you know, I kind of debunked that. I don't think you're going to sit out your your best goal scorer. Auto. And I, I don't think it's going to be that long. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, Kucherov came back the other day. Hmm. He's pretty yeah. good. Tampa looks loaded. But here's the thing, Frank, as, as we get to some on ice. He's pretty good. Um, the uh, the Colorado Avalanche, of course, now they've played a lot fewer games. Just look at their point totals. They'll say, well, yeah. But if you look at their points percentage, they got the best points percentage in the Western Conference. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Like the NHL on its own website needs to stop sorting the standings as the default by points, especially when you have teams that have played nine or eight or seven fewer games than their opponents. We well, got to go to points. I, I'm so tired of, of saying, oh, this, this team's in first place. In the, no, they're not. They're not in first place in their division. They're, they're just not. It's, it's points percentage, especially with such an unbalanced schedule. Well, for now it is, yes. But at the end of the year, it's still going to come down to points because at the end, most unless we're going to have some unbalanced schedule. Which- I think it's going to be unbalanced. A lot of it for that's going to be the toughest part of the schedule maker's job. I know everyone thinks it's about squeezing these games in and the building availability. It is that. But this Olympic break in particular is also about rejigging the schedule so that teams that have played way more aren't just sitting idle for three weeks. That's the other challenge in this is making sure that there's some semblance of a balanced schedule moving forward. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's why I keep saying, man, April 30th, it's a dream, but I'm just not sure it's realistic for the NHL. I think we'll have regular season games in May uh, again this season, and they'll, they'll just kind of go from there. But the the Colorado... That's, Avalanche, by the way, uh, totally selfish, Jay. One of my New Year's resolutions on a, on a hockey sense, and Mike McKenna and I did this the other day on the show, we've got to take our summer back. This is all, like, what's going on? Like, we can't, we can't keep playing until mid-July. Got to get back to a normal hockey calendar. Players, it's going to drive them bonkers that their summer is shortened yet again. And I know everyone's going to say, hey, these guys are paid millions of dollars. Why are they entitled to, you know, eight weeks off in the summer? I mean, that's the way it's gone forever. Oh, well, but let's be realistic, though. Half your league is going to be done in May, right? So, but, but why right. is it fair to a team like Tampa again? I don't yeah, like it's no short deep. summer after short summer after short summer, like how, how that eventually catches up to you at some point. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. I'm which, actually shocked that it hasn't for Tampa, which is why if the Tampa Bay lightning can go back to back to back, man, that'll be, that'll be lights out for them. Although they I, only I, played a 56 game season last year. So some people of the Island, the Islander fans are saying, Hey, wait a second, wait a second. We never got a 56 gamer in the middle of it. I did radio this morning and they were discounting Tampa's first cup in the bubble. No, please. Like that might've been the hardest one ever to win. The lack of emotion, being away from your family. Yes. Playing in September. Yeah. I don't, I don't discount that one at all. It was, I, th- I actually all, give that one more credit. It's even for everyone. Every team had to go through the exact same. It wasn't like Tampa they all Bay restarted from the same treatment. spot. Yes. No, I, I honestly thought I agree with you. I thought that was one of the hardest ones to win from a mental standpoint that the longer you went in the bubble, you knew the longer you were away from your family and kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I would strongly disagree. Would yeah. you say Tampa right now is like, who's your cup? I, I know you're still a Florida guy. Who is your cup favorite at this point? Who's like, if you were to look at your top five cup contenders Man, right now, honestly, like that, I might say Colorado because I think Colorado might have the easiest path 
You look at Florida, Tampa, Toronto are going to have to bang the hell out of each other in their own division. Then you got Carolina, Washington, the Rangers, and the the red hot Pittsburgh Penguins, mm-hmm. right? Like look at look at those matchups, right? Like Colorado, hey, Nashville's good story, right? In Vegas, uh, or sorry, in Minnesota and Vegas, they're good, but man, I. I if I look at it from a pure quality of competition right now, it might be Colorado. Plus, they're playing legit. And, you know, they're star players. Like I talked about earlier in the year, it's like, hey, Colorado will be fine because their best players weren't on fire. And now they're on fire. Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr is ridiculous, ranting in like that. It's not even that they weren't on fire. They weren't even they weren't even on the ice at the same time for long yeah. stretches. Yeah. Oh, Colorado. They, they went a whole stretch with without both their goalies in Kemper and Fransuz. Yeah. How, like, how are you supposed to compete? And, and wait till Colorado adds a defenseman. I think that's going to make them even more dangerous for uh, for sure. But five the- goals by the McKinnon line. Yeah. As they beat up on the Winnipeg Jets. What is up with the Jets? Dude, that's a good question, actually. It's one to uh, I think the Jets are are better than they're they're playing. I'm not sure they're dominant, but I think they're better than they're playing. And the other thing is Connor Hellebuck still has he can he can ratchet it up more and maybe maybe it doesn't happen till the last month of the season or the playoffs but when you have a goalie like that come playoff time it makes such a difference okay so he gave up all seven last night and he still has a 913 save percentage oh yeah but for hellebuck like you know he's a guy who's usually around 920 923 I, I think it, like but he probably been, was close to that before giving up seven. Yeah. He hasn't been bad, but I'm just saying like, he has a pretty high standard and so he's been good, but I just don't think he's been like, there, he hasn't hella bucked the opposition as much as he has in, in, in the past. And which I think he's totally capable of. I still think he's an elite goalie. So that gives Winnipeg, I believe reason to believe that, you know, they'll figure things out. They're right there in the mix. They're one point out of a playoff spot right now. So they're not, they're not in panic. Hellebuck in his 23 games before last night was nine twenty five. He went down 12 points in one game. He had a, he had two stinkers to start the oh, year too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But 20, I mean, that's a significant run at 925. Yeah. Oh, hey, I like Hellebuck, but I just look at the Jets. They're, I still don't think their defense is good enough to be a cup contender. I wondered, as I put out the trade targets list yesterday again, do they revisit the idea of bringing Ben Sherratt back? How much they loved him and how much they still have not really adequately replaced him? I think Ben Sherratt's value at the trade deadline, Frank, is going to be incredibly high. I think the Montreal Canadiens are going to get it a already is for him, right. Going to get a boatload for him. Like he, there's not a lot of quality. The rental D market is not good. No, there's not at all. So, you know, good, good timing for the Habs and good timing for Ben Schrott. Not only is a trade deadline acquisition, but probably is a free agent signing. Well, that on, that's what I was thinking is he has so much power here. It's not just, you know, the, the yes list that he puts together where he would accept a trade as part of his modified no trade. It's also an indicating to a team that would like to acquire him. Hey, I I'm not willing to resign with you or yes, I am. It, in, it could increase the value for the Montreal Canadians if they give him the opportunity to talk. Oh, for sure. Now, speaking of the Habs, do you think a carry price trade is remotely possible? No in a season. We don't know. Off season. I don't think it's possible at all ever. Oh, really? I'll do, I think I think there'll be teams that will want Carey Price. They're going to have to Montreal's going to have to retain a lot of salary, but I think Carey Price will get dealt. If he's not dealt this season, I think he gets dealt in the summer. 
Okay. So if you're the Montreal Canadiens, what are you getting back? And what are you retaining? I, well, I think they might have to retain like, you know, four mil, like between four to five mil, right? 40 to 50%, probably what they have to retain. And the more they retain, the probably the higher the return is. Okay, but then you're stuck with a four to five million dollar dead cap hit for the next how many years? Four. Four years. Yeah. That's 20. You're paying carry price $20 million or more to play somewhere else. Yeah, but teams have bought out guys, Frank. First, you're not going to get it. My my thinking is you're not going to get enough in the return to make it worth that while. Now, Here's you, the one like, thing about carry price. And I, I, you know, I think we all appreciate the run that the Canadians went on and how big a part of, he was of that last year. And I'm not saying he's finished, but in addition to the, the mental health and, and substance abuse program that he went to, went through to start the season, not putting that aside at all. It's obviously a huge factor. He had knee and hip issues that lingered into the summer. And it, you know, part of it is, is the reason why he's not back on the ice now. At 34, with that expensive of a goalie, you really think that there's going to be teams lining up to get him? If you don't have a goalie, Frank, you don't have a chance. You don't well, think the Oilers have- are proving that. Hey, if that's, trust me, that's, that's a team right there. Like I think th- there will be some teams that will look and say, hey. I don't see it. Even if Carey Price, two years, gives us really good play, we'll take it. I think I think there'll be a mark. And the other thing is, Frank, I was kind of looking it up, and, and this is a, a weird thing to look up, but you look at players who went through the, you know, uh, the rehabilitation program, a lot of them came out on the other side, better players. Yeah. I mean, right? Zach Cassian's a great example in your own backyard. Yeah, Dan Cleary's another one, you know, way back when, you know, Dan admitted that, you know what, once he stopped drinking and, you know, his, because his career was basically done. Yeah. And he stopped drinking and he had a lengthy, you know, excellent kind of second career with the Detroit Red Wings. And, you know, even if you go way back to the 90s when Grant Fuhr got suspended for an entire season, you go back mm-hmm. and look at his numbers after that. And he was, you know, he was in his 30s and he was right. he played 70 plus games a few years. For I, I just I don't see, I don't see it with Carey Price, okay. but. I just think desperation for goalies, man, if you don't have one. And you're getting a guy who, who the last the Seattle, time- look, we can talk a lot about the Kraken and their expansion draft and some of the mistakes that I think even now, you know, six months later, we could all point to and say that was probably a pretty big error. They had the opportunity to get Carey Price for free and passed. True. But they also did that on Vladimir Tarasenko. And a whole bunch of other players, yeah. but yes, that's obviously part of their game plan was not taking on term and salary. Yeah. Well, I but still, Carey, this was this, and this was weeks removed from a run to the Stanley cup final. Yeah. But that was Carey price at a full boat of 10 mil. The team that like, if you acquire Carey price and you're only paying him, I say only, but if you're paying him 5 million, his value is very different. But what do you, yeah, but you're giving up a lot to get him. Then I would think at 5 million. But if you don't have a goalie, you don't have like if you're giving up a a young D prospect, which is, I think, what Montreal for sure is going to want, you know, a top end defensive prospect and 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 a pick and and, and obviously maybe another player or something. I do think that there's teams out there that would make that trade. I'm just kind of speaking of the Oilers, though, what kind of changes do you see them making? Honestly, well, 
It all depends. Like they only play once here in the next 10 days. And I got to think they're going to find a way to beat Ottawa. If they lose to Ottawa, well then obviously, you know, that you, you know how it is, Frank, the more time you have off to stew about something, a lot of times the worse it becomes in your head and it just yep. builds and it builds and it builds. And if the order somehow lose that game, and then they've only won two of their 14 games, they go two, 10 and two, and you don't play again for 10 days minimum. Because who knows, maybe that Florida game will be postponed as well on the 20th. Mm-hmm. So it just opens up a window to say, well, if we're going to make a coaching change, here's the time to do it because you have eight days of practice. I get yeah, I mean, anyone that. could look at that yes. and see yes. that as a likely yeah, that's just, possibility. That's not me with any insider alleged information. That's just common sense. Right. right. Um, just I like, think Ken Holland is loath to fire Dave Tippett. I agree. When you you actually look at at a lot, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network did a whole feature on the underlying numbers of the Edmonton Orders in this funk, and really the thing that's that's hurting them is goaltending. At the end of the day, it's goaltending. It's incredible. So to me, you you have a solution. I wrote this. Like I don't understand why. Now here's why. I believe the change that will be made. So the will be Koskinen for Stewart Skinner. Yes, right. It's same. And I think you're probably going to see some young guys come up from Bakersfield. Potentially, they don't really have a lot of young guys down there, though. That's the thing. Um, like they've already got them up here, right? Yeah, you're not going to bring up Broberg. Nima Linen, once he comes back healthy, I think he'll be their third pair left defenseman. They really liked him. He had a new dimension. I, he was, he was I think you, I think all, all those guys are in play. Broberg, Samarukov, the whole group. Well, I don't think they'll bring them up because Duncan Keith actually has played quite well in this funk for the rest of the team. He, he's actually been totally fine. Yeah, he's been good. Him and Nurse, so there they go. There's one defense opening on the left side. They don't have any right shot defensemen, so I think it's Nima Line when he's healthy. Up front, maybe you bring up Cooper Marodi, but I'm not sure what, what a difference that'll make. So yeah, it's, it's Stuart Skinner right. for Koskinen, and then they'll go from there. Ken Holland has a history of being incredibly patient, and, and I think they'll say, hey, we can figure this out. They played a stretch of you know 11 defensemen due to injury. How far away is Dylan Holloway? He is still just skating. My, I uh, I reached out to some guys yesterday about Holloway, and uh, he's another guy I would circle as a potential option. Yeah, but he hasn't played any hockey in right. like almost a calendar year. He will for sure be in the minors, I would think, for at least six weeks. I think the goal is to have him there by the end of this month, and uh, then he can play there February. You know, you kind of look at him as a trade deadline acquisition that doesn't cost you anything. But I think mm-hmm. he's got to play at least a month in the American League. He hasn't played any pro hockey. Right. I think, and I, so who would be some of the odd guys out? Derek Ryan. Well, yeah, Derek Ryan, right now, the way he's struggled, I would play Shore and Sevier as your, Shore is your fourth line center, McLeod's your third line center right now. Other than that, I don't think there's, you know, I, I would probably actually play Perlini more. Right. Mm. Perlini's got three points, two goals in his last four games, and he doesn't play a lot. Well, of uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a very recent development, but before that, he looked like he was on the ropes a bit. Oh, hundred percent. Well, he got sent down to the minors, but you know what? He yeah. went down, he scored, uh, he scored two goals in his first game. Then he got recalled and it seemed like the game a jolt of confidence. So uh, Edmonton doesn't have a lot of, you know, great answers internally uh, for forward position. I just, but think I think those are the biggest tweak is the goalie one. They, 100%. they, they sent down the goalie who saved their bacon this year. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of it was due to cap reasons. I'm sure cap reasons, but also I think they felt when they, when they activated Mike Smith, that he wasn't going to be as bad as he was in his first two games. Definitely the second game. He looked better against Toronto, right? He was fine. I asked him. And actually the, the, the Oilers game itself was fine against Toronto. 
Yeah, yeah, they they were okay. They just they were outmanned. Toronto had way more talent, top to bottom, on the ice that night. But I think they're going to see how if Mike Smith, Mike Smith, yeah, he got unlucky on the first goal. McKenna and McLennan and all the goalie guys. I asked him about it, and mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the game he was fine. If he plays like that, I do believe though that Skinner. The reason they haven't called him up is because. They their minor league systems playing a ton of games right now, so he can play a lot of games down there. He stays fresh. and they don't have a lot of bodies and the orders play one game right now on the 10th until the 20th. So, you know what? After that, if you want to make a change, right, Smith plays on Monday, then uh, they can switch Koskinen and Skinner out on January 19th if they want. I think that would be the first change. Mm, 19th but for number 19. If they lose the game, Frank, then all bets, then all bets are off. Right. Yes. Right. And that's not like, that's not any insider scoop. That's, that's not rocket science. No, it isn't. Now I do want to get to one team, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Calgary flames. <laughs> now, nah, well, the Pittsburgh Penguins dude have won 10 in a row. Mm-hmm. Brian rust. Now this is a very obscure stat, but I love obscure stats. I saw they put out the NHL PR in the first three games of a calendar year, which of course is in January. He has 11 points. That's the mm-hmm. third most in NHL history, right up there with, you know, Gretzky's first and fourth in that department. Like what the Pittsburgh Penguins, will man, they be able to keep him? Well, that's a good question, but I that's think, the key question. That's the only, like, well, I well, look well, at this, Penguins keep him team this and, year, right? It's, can they keep him afterwards, but they're not going to trade him Latang. And I don't, Hawkins. I don't think so. I, I, I honestly believe, and that's why I didn't have rust on my trade board that came out, but he was on it in December. Partially he was still injured at the time. And it was like, well, what's happening here? Is this guy going to figure it out and and put it all together? And the answer is yes. Um, (laughs) Mike McKenna wrote a fantastic story today on dailyfaceoff.com about rust. And the thing is, I, I do think that they'll keep those guys, even if they're unsigned, because it gives them the best chance to win. And that's really what, Yes. This sort of transitional period that Ron Hextall and, and Brian Burke are stewarding is to give this team a chance to win without artificially propping it up. And at the same time, it doesn't make sense to necessarily pluck anything away from that group to lessen their chances, even though everyone knows it would help the franchise in the future. The big thing missing is their future. We know what, who's in the pipeline, who's coming, what do they have next? It's, it's very little. Yeah, uh, that's fair. But the way, so the period of pain is coming. Yeah. At least, yeah. Jari's been fantastic, but I think that they'd be willing to, to go through it and let those guys walk. If it ultimately came to that, I don't know that that'll ultimately be the case. Um, I think if you were to handicap everything, my guess is they probably have a little bit of a better chance to keep Latang than Rust, but it's still pretty fluid. Yeah. What about Mal? I think Malkin would be willing to. Malkin's stay. the wild card. You can keep yeah. Rust and you can keep Latang if you don't have Malkin. And what is Malkin going to cost you? My guess is Malkin comes back next week in Anaheim. Yeah. I don't well, think he's playing in Dallas. Frank, I was looking at all the, the games missed by Malkin. It's a and lot. It's a lot. So I, I and, and he said it himself. I'm a rich dude. I don't, I think of Jenny Malkin loves Pittsburgh. What a line, by the way. Yeah. He, I am a rich guy. I could see him signing for $6 million. Honestly. I wouldn't be signed by that. What's the term? 
Uh, he could go like a three-year deal. I don't think he, I th- you look at like, I always like to equate this back to guys who want to win. All you have to do is go look at Nick Lidstrom. He was the poster boy. All he signed was two and one-year deals late in his Evgeny career. Malkin's already made $116 million in his career. <laughs> yeah. So I it's going to be near right. 120 by the time the season's over. Yeah. So if you're Malkin, why wouldn't you sign a two-year deal? Right? Like you're like, hey, I got tons of money. I'm happy. You can't put a price on that. Like, Don't F sign- with happy somewhere else for seven or eight mil, but at that point it doesn't matter to him. So I think Balkan, there's a really good chance he stays. I think, you know, him and but what if he, left. what if he decides that he's not up to his level anymore or whatever it is? Oh, and leaves. Yeah. I guess. Wow. Then that, that makes the decision pretty easy then. Right. Then you sign Latang who, who will be happier than Latang and, and rust at that point. <laughs> I think the big concern, and it's not just with those two guys, it's also with Malkin is what is this team going to look like in a couple of years? How good are they going to be? That's everyone's question. Sure. But it's not the play. The players only care about now as they should. Right. And you look, at I don't I, I I disagree with you there in terms of signing an extension. I think they all want to know what the plan is. Why wouldn't you want to know what the plan is? But if you're Malkin and the Penguins go deep in the playoffs again, you have a really good run. And you say, hey, man, if we lose one of the three of us, we're still good enough to compete again next year. Just keep in mind, they're doing, they've won 10 in a row and Malkin hasn't played a game. (laughs) Are they really as good as they've shown? I'm a big believer in you are what your record is. I don't think they were as bad as early. Any team that wins 10 or 11 in a row obviously isn't going to do that forever. But I, I don't like I don't think the Oilers are as bad as they've been. Exactly. They weren't as good as a nine and one team or 16 and five. And they're not as bad as they are right now. They'll they'll figure it out. And the Penguins, I don't think the Penguins are going to win the Metro, but they're a clear playoff team. And they're going to be a that's man. The Metro division playoffs is going to be awesome. Just like the Atlantic. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Until you get to April and you wonder what's up with Tristan Jari and what kind of guy you're getting. Ah, I will. He's been a fine regular season goalie. Sure, lots of guys have had bad playoff. People used to say that about Datsuk for his first three years. I know, and people are saying that now about Johnny Gaudreau as a free agent. Oh, the knock on him is he can't play in the playoffs. Yeah, so we'll see. Hey, let's bring in uh, Tyler Yaremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing uh, fantastic here, and I got another edition of Fill in the Blank today on a Friday morning to bring you guys. I got five questions locked and loaded, and the first one, you guys talked a little bit about the Oilers. I want this answer in one word that we're going to be quick. One word to describe the war of words between Miko Koskinen and Dave Tippett is blank. Jason? Overblown. Fair. Frank? Ironic. I don't like getting thrown under the bus, but I'm going to throw everyone else under the bus on my way out. (laughs) Uh, All right. Second one I got for you. Trent Frederick laying quite the hit on Kirill Kaprizov. Blank games for Frederick in terms of a suspension. Jason? Three. Yeah, I think that's probably an okay number. I don't. Yeah, I think I. I think I would actually agree. I think I'd go three as well, Frank. I don't know about this one. He gets it. It's from behind. But he kind of lays. It's actually from the side. Yeah, I think. I think he's Frederick, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know about this one. I really don't. I, I'm. I, this is the fourth time I've seen it now. It it looks to me like it's from the side. 
So you and think it looks maybe like his just, injury is from the side. If, so you frankly. think the result is maybe just making this more? I don't think the result is a head injury. I think the result is oh, a, a shoulder. I think. Yeah. So not boarding or anything. You think it's fine? What was the penalty called on the play? Oh, I'm not 100 percent sure what he was given given on the play, but I don't know. And maybe it just maybe it just caught my attention more because it was on a guy like Kaprizov. But right. Well, and know. and also the Wild have just been absolutely decimated. Yeah, I, I this think point. it's a, because of who it was on. I think this will be one where you see a star player taken out. That's why he's going to get suspended. Yeah, potentially. I'm just looking here. I don't even think they called it at all. Yeah, it was no call. No, it was I'm no call. At, there was a fight though, right? Yeah. There, well, Trent, no, there was Trent, a boarding call. Trent Frederick boarding against Kirill Kaprizov, served yeah. by Craig Smith. Oh, sir. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just seeing Craig Smith sitting in the box. All right. Um, all right. Let's move on to the third one then. Uh, the Pacific Division playoff race is all of a sudden getting, you know, pretty interesting with LA sitting right behind Edmonton points percentage wise. Anaheim still up at second, um, or sorry, third in the division. So you're filling the blank. Maybe it'll be three blanks. Maybe it'll be four. Who are the playoff teams in the Pacific division going to be? Uh, I'll go Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary. Hmm. Interesting. Frank? Same three. So no love for uh, the California teams there? I think Anaheim's sliding out. I've never really seen LA in the mix as a, as a playoff team. Definitely not San Jose. Anaheim is the only team I really thought hard about. Interesting. But you I just don't both... know if they're going to have enough juice or enough gas to hang on. And you're both set on only three, right? Five from the I, central. I three think from the so. Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of been the, you're five the from the, the central though, Jay. Oh, um, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, Colorado. So you and do think Winnipeg gets in? Yeah, I, I think they can get in on a crossover. Okay. They're, they're, they're fighting for it. They are not in right now. No, they're one point behind with a game in hand. Yeah. I, we, uh, I, I hate anyone that quotes anything about points, all about the points <laughs> percentage. I think we established that today. It's like seven in the morning and I'm sitting here listening to Frank yell about <laughs> points percentage. Well, it's, well, uh, it's insane to talk Frank. about. Like, oh, it's, you, it's you get so fired insane. up about it like well, twice hey, a week. Frank, it's great. Frank, guess what? If it's points percentage, they're in because they have a higher points percentage than Edmonton. Oh, there you go. Um, all right. Frank's no, they're not. Got... Dallas would be in. Really? Dallas is yeah, the fifth Dallas team in the Central. 567, yeah. See, the thing about points percentage is it changes so quickly because if you play fewer games, you lose one. All of a sudden, you lose like 10 percentage points. But that's the point. Literally the point. <laughs> but everybody plays 82 games eventually. It's about points. But they're not, and they're not going to be anywhere close to each other for the foreseeable future. It's also fair. Both great uh, arguments they'll, they'll here. They'll make it up. Eventually, they'll play 82. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't I believe wish, this is a thing. I wish the people listening to the podcast would see the smirk on Gregor's face as he does this to Frank. Uh, okay. Like I, it's, just, it's like, I, I know maybe you're just winding me up. Like, <laughs> I can't believe this is a thing. All right. We got to wrap up this segment here. I got two more. They're both trade related because Frank's got his new trade targets article up at dailyfaceoff.com. We saw one move, a trade between Pittsburgh and Chicago. Your question is, we will see blank more trades by the end of the month. Frank? One. Oh, okay. I was going to say zero, but I'll, yeah, I'll give that's it That's what I'm going with. Zero teams are, yeah. there's so many games off. I think the teams are going to, uh, it's going to allow them to reset and reevaluate what they have. 
Yeah. And I'll probably ask you guys this one again before the deadline, but Frank, number one on your list was Thomas Hurdle. Thomas Hurdle will be a blank by the trade deadline. Jason. Gosh, man, Doug Wilson. They they're loyal to their guys there, man. But well, Doug so Wilson be in charge. Yeah. Well, they got so many players. And I don't mean get fired. He's been out for a long yeah, time with a medical issue. Being very quiet about that. So it seems like it's something serious, but I will say the team that could really, who could use him? I, you know what? I'm going to go with the surprise. I'm going to go with the Colorado avalanche. Ooh, interesting. That, I mean, down the middle, if you're running McKinnon, Kadri hurdle, that is, that would be something. Uh, Frank, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I'm going to go with the New York Rangers. They've been talking about him already. They've got cap space. They've got assets. I don't know. Why not the Rangers? Why not the Rangers and your points bet bonus question tonight, just two games in the NHL. You got the flames and hurricanes. You get the capitals and the St. Louis blues. Both these totals are set at six. Is one of those games going to go over or under? You got to give me just one, just one pick. Come on. I need something here. The Frank, flames oh. and hurricanes are going to go under. Okay. Well, I'm taking, I was going to say take over in that one. Flames are leaking Ooh. goals right now. And the hurricanes they're score. leaking goals, but they also can't score. Look at their last couple games, four yeah. to one. They did give up a bunch against Florida and got steamrolled, but I don't know. Perfect. Love it. All right. That's going to do it for another edition of fill in the blank brought to you by DoorDash. Use the promo code rundown DD for 25% off your first order and no delivery fees. Awesome. Well, Frank, it's a busy week. Um, we'll be curious to see if there's more postponements. Um, what happens in the, the trade talks? I'm with you. I think it'll be a quiet January, but uh, once this is scouting season, amateur and pro scouting meetings this week oh. and next week. And they're just setting their list. They're talking about it. Yes. And you know what's funny about the NHL, Jay? You would think that teams talking in depth about who they might want to acquire might trigger someone to actually do something. For whatever reason, it causes everyone to take a step back and reconsider and, and think about it for a long time. They like to stew it over. Well, I think you see the history, though, of trades where teams, no team wants to make the trade where they give up on a player too early because it's littered, with, especially for defensemen on teams, a young defenseman. Ah, you know what? We just don't think he's there. And then two years later, the guy's elite. And I think that's the one, especially now, because if you don't have defense, you have no chance. I think there's fear amongst teams to be that next team who gives up on a really good defenseman. And then they're, they're, uh, they're spending the next six years trying to replace them. Yeah. I just don't see a lot of teams giving up on young defensemen in general, yeah. like now or later. Yeah. So it's a, it'll be an interesting one. Cause there's so many teams in the mix and there's also so many teams that are out of it that I think mm. that could uh, spur on some trades in February sooner than later. Frank, have yourself a wonderful weekend and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash. 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.